exclusive to Jacaranda FM. It's The Drive with Rob and Roz. Jacaranda FM. I haven't been this excited about an interview all year. You know, all when, year. Rob, when we met this incredible person at the launch of Primal Survivor, I just, I literally ran up to her like a fangirl and asked her for her number. And I was like, is it okay? Because we really, really want to have you on the show. It's a proper legit radio show. I'm not just a fangirl. Our guest this afternoon is Dr. Kenilwe Molopiane. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe we've got you here. Um, Dr. Molopiane is a, I don't know if I've got all of this right because you've got so much on your plate. Yeah. You're a lecturer at WITS. You're a senior researcher. You're a bio archaeologist. Bio archaeologist. Um, she excavates one of the caves. In the Starkfontein Cradle of Humankind system, she's right on top of like the origins of mankind. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh. Well, I mean, you did run after me at at the launch. We did. Um, you guys literally jumped over a couple of steps. Hundred percent. It was crazy. Also, you know what is also so huge about the work that you've done. The first South African black woman to hold the title of Principal Investigator for the Gladys Vale Cave. Yeah. I mean. Like, this is yeah. the stuff that Lara Croft wishes she could do. Literally. I mean, if you Google this lady, there are photos of her hard hat on crawling through cave tunnels and things. Where did the love for this come from? How did you end up deep under the ground looking into the origins of mankind? Well, I wasn't planning to be deep underground looking at human origins. That was not the plan, okay? <laughs> I'll be very, very honest with that. That only happened about five, six years ago. Um, but I've always wanted to be an archaeologist from the age of seven. Um, I was watching cartoons with my mom on a Saturday morning, The Adventures of Tintin. And the first episode I remember us watching was Cigars of the Pharaoh, which has a very strong archaeological theme. And I just turned to my mom and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to do what Tintin is doing right now. And instead of my mom being like, oh, you want to become a journalist like Tintin is? She's like, oh, you want to be an archaeologist? And for a good number of years, I could not say the word archaeologist, but <laughs> I knew that that is what I wanted to become. And I spent my entire schooling career um, obsessing about this thing called archaeology, got to university, sort of realized it's not about um, ancient Greece and, and Rome and stuff. There's actually stuff happening in Africa that's quite interesting. Uh, we have some of the oldest ancient kingdoms in, in southern Africa, like uh, Mapungupre and Great Zimbabwe mm. over uh, across the border. Um, so I really grabbed onto to that adventurous lifestyle. And then I pushed the boundaries a little bit and went underwater pushed again and and did this whole underground astronaut thing where I'm digging up fossils underground where people normally don't go. I've seen some of the photographs. Right. I would be terrified. Coolest job ever. And I love what you said about how we often think of ancient times as very Eurocentric, mm. very like, and the fact that your work with all your expertise has been focused on how much Africa has to offer in that sphere because there's so much we don't know and all of that stuff we don't know, a lot of it comes from our very own backyard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Cradle of Humankind literally is 45 minutes away from Johannesburg and Pretoria. It's a 45-minute drive. 
you get there, you're exposed to caves like Stuckfontein Caves. Um, if you go out to the Cradle Boutique area, there's a human origins tour, and they take you to places like Malapa and my own cave system, Gladysville Cave, and you get to like follow the journey of what it means to be human. Is Gladysville where the Rising Star system is? No. So is that a different place that's a as different, well? That's a different because cave system. Because that was the one that made the news in 2017 when we discovered Homo Naledi and there was the chamber um, and they were talking about this was like the origins of burial of the dead as a thing and then there was a, is this true, is this not? I mean, what a thing to be focusing on. Yeah, um, so the original, um, well, the official announcement came out in 2015. Okay. Um, that's when Rising Star really hit the, the newspapers globally. Um, and, you know, all those fossils were excavated by a group of women, female scientists, because we were the only ones small enough to get into, into the cave system, uh, into the chamber, um, in comparison to our male colleagues. Um, I only joined the team in 2018. So I, I picked up later off, um, but it's an incredible site. Very difficult to get to, but once you get down to the um, chamber, it's quite rewarding in, in the kind of things that you're finding. So um, a lot of the discussions and debates in academia now is, did Homna Lady bury their dead? You know, because it's just Homna Lady in these cave systems. If they are burying their dead, it's possibly the earliest um, evidence for burial that we have in our human lineage. Mm. Um, and there's also like questions of how are they getting through the system? How are they seeing? Because there's no light. So they must have used fire. And then I think it was last year, two years ago, we found evidence of fire now in, in the Rising Arcade Oh, cool. So now the science really starts coming mm. in. We need yeah. to investigate where does this fire come from how old is it is it possible that homina lady harnessed fire um and if this is the case again it's ancient humans using things that are normally associated with modern humans amazing i have a really dumb question (laughs) do you ever get claustrophobic down there no no, I don't get claustrophobic because I'm worrying about too many other things to be to be claustrophobic. Um, that was actually one of the the uh, selection criteria that that was given to us when we first interviewed to being part of the team is how well do you deal with um, high pressured environments. And so I had a scuba diving uh, qualification, a commercial class five, which is like your top ranking uh, scuba diving thing. So <laughs> they sort of figured, oh, you know what? She's able to, to work in um, extreme environments. Um, and, you know, I guess being underwater is almost like being in a cave mm-hmm. system, which is quite small and tight. I have been stuck a couple of times. A couple of times. Um, and I always just go home and I'm covered in bruises. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. I'm not doing it again. And I do it again. <laughs> Dr. Molipiana is with our guest this afternoon. We're going to have this conversation. I'm so glad. You never get to talk to someone who's literally, you know, taking us back to the origins of all of us. So We're continuing our chat with Dr. Kenilwe Molopiane, who is an archaeologist and a biological anthropologist. She's talking to us this afternoon about her very fascinating career. We met her at the launch of a National Geographic show called Primal Survivor. And I wanted to speak about the National Geographic Connection because even as a kid and throughout, I don't know, as long as I've known, National Geographic is that kind of iconic 
like nature, outdoor, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, magazine and publication. And you are actually one of National Geographic's Society Emerging Explorers. Yes, I am. What does that mean? <laughs> it means that the work that I do, the research that I do in the Cradle of Humankind is... Uh, supported by the National Geographic Society. So they're expanding beyond nature and they actually look at humans and human culture. And paleoanthropology and archaeology is one of those facets. Um, And yeah, they're just behind the work that they do. They support you. They give you funding. Anything you need, they have your back. So knowing what a prestigious publication that is, they come to you and they say, we would like to make you one of 15 15 small amount of people one of our emerging explorers how, how do you feel um so so how it works is is when you become an emerging explorer uh, they're now known as wayfinders you're nominated into the society so somebody within the society says listen there's this young researcher this young person she's amazing she's going places um let's support her and so the rest of the society gets involved. They check you out. And they're like, okay, cool. She sounds cool. And then you get a phone call. Um, so the phone call came through in 2021. And uh, it was like, a, hey, you're great. Um, and we would like to invite you to the society, the National Geographic Society. These are all the things that you, you will get. This is the support. Um, and I heard nothing, by the way, it, nothing filtered through because I got stuck on, oh, you're now a National Geographic Explorer. Everything else that came after that, I, I don't remember it at all. Um, so that's my early memory of the announcement that I was a National Geographic Explorer. Um, but, you know, it, it sinks in after a while and then you're like, okay, now I actually have to make my mark in some sense right i need to be representative of people of color in archaeology and paleoanthropology it's not that we're not there we are there we just need the limelight um to shine on us um and so that's what i've been doing for the past couple of years i even became a super scientist uh which is a cartoon character um and my character's name is bones she's a paleoanthropologist uh she has red hair like i do um, and we've created um, posters and um, trading cards as well as comic books. And now we're working on an animation series to sort of act as an educational pack for children so they can learn about paleoanthropology and the cradle of humankind. My inner child is screaming with excitement. <laughs> yeah. I could think of nothing. You are an official National Geographic. You got your Explorer's badge from them. And now you're a cartoon. Yep. yep. Like, yep. There, there can be nothing better yeah. in the whole world. When you use the word super scientist, I was <sighs> like, oh, now I get to tell my kids when I get back home this evening. You've made a super scientist. I made a su- super scientist <laughs> for the second time. Um, Doc, tell me, um, uh, lots of the, the news coming out of South Africa and so on, those couple of years ago, you were talking home on a lady and the, the burial thing, and it made a lot of big headlines around the time. Mm. Then I went to look, you were talking about Gladys Vale Cave System, which is where you're currently working. What's going on there? Well, Gladys Vale, Gladys vale is one of those, those early cave systems in, in the cradle um, that is quite important in telling the story of um, not just human evolution, but the animals as well. Um, so Glasgow really came onto the scene in 1947, 48, around there, where there were loads of researchers um, working through the case system 
uh, exploring and excavating fossils from the breccia blocks. So we have lots of antelope, um, an ancient wolf, uh, even a giant hyena that have come out uh, from the Glasville cave system. Um, and then in 1991, Professor Lee Berger came onto the scene and he worked at Glasville. And uh, in 93, he found two fossil teeth of Australopithecus africanus, or Mrs. Pless, but not the Mrs. Pless specimen, but the same type um, of species. And that was the first hominin to come out from uh, a cave system in southern Africa uh, for over 20 years. And so... Uh, Prof Berger would spend another 30 years working at, at Glasgow and not finding uh, any more than these two teeth from these this wow. um, hominin. Um, and so he, he moved on. Like There were other places mm. to explore, so he moved on. And then I would come onto the scene and go back to Glasgow after it had been abandoned for 20 years, spent about three months out in the field, um, excavating or moving blocks, trying to find more fossils. And uh, after three months, we didn't come away with a lot in terms of hominins. Lots of animals, uh, but no hominins. So I was a little bit disappointed. Um, but, you know, we're building character. Yeah. And so <laughs> we're building character. That's what I tell Fair myself enough. all the time. And so um, in the last week of our expedition, um, a block came out from underground. And within this block was this the skull. A the skull sc- even. The skull had a very special shape to it. Yeah. It looked. It didn't look like any other of the animals that I was seeing. It wasn't an antelope. It wasn't a zebra. Um, it wasn't a carnivore. It looked very much like a primate, like a monkey. And so I got super, super excited because I'm like, maybe I found this hominin. You know, like I, perhaps I found it. Um, and so we found many more pieces of this of the skull, and we're still studying it. Um, it's not a hominin, unfortunately, but it is it is a primate, and primates at Gladysville are actually very rare. Um, not a lot of them. So to have found another one to the three that have already been recovered is exciting after yeah. twenty years of nothing. Absolutely, after twenty years of nothing. Um, it's such a fascinating field to get into because there's so much relatability, you know, to all of us as human beings mm. and all of us where we came from. And yet somehow I feel like there's a bit of a a competition around the world as to who gets to claim the the oldest humans and the first birthplace. And, you know, then it was the, the Rift Valley in East Africa and then the cradle of humankind came. And I know the mm. Middle East and Southeast Asia all wanting to claim it. Like, why are we so competitive about it? <laughs> I don't know. We, we seem to have this, this nature of possession, right? We want to have the best of the best. Mm. Um, so I teach human evolution at, at Vitz, um in the archaeology department at the school of geography, archaeology, and environmental studies. And um, I sort of like highlight the fact that the cradle of humankind in South Africa contains about 40% of the fossils that tell us about our deep human journey. 40% of those fossils come from the cradle of humankind in Southern Africa. And that's because this is a place that best preserves these fossils. Just in this one area in Gauteng, um, it has the best conditions for preserving these fossils. And that doesn't mean that you don't get hominin fossils or any other ancient fossils anywhere else in the world. It's just the best ones are here. 
We've got the best. Yeah. There we go. I, I, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the fact that we've got the best, why is it important for us as South Africans to realize our kind of place in the world and in the history of the earth? Why do we need that if everybody is kind of so future focused? Rose, you need to come to my class yeah. next year, first year, archaeology, Thank human you. evolution. Thank you. Um, so, well, how can I say this? So, uh, I'm forgetting the, the date right now, but a past thinking of, of human evolution was that all civilization, all humans, originated in Europe. And so there was this fossil called Pulldown Man. And this is where... Um, humanity sort of spread from and Africa had nothing to contribute to the world. Um, there was nothing special about us. And then 1924-1947 two amazing fossils came out from the cradle. The Taung Child, which its discovery turns 100 years old next year. And of course, Australopithecus Africanus, Mrs. Place. And these fossils dated to about 3 million years. And, you know, there was great debate over these African fossils are actually a true beacon of what humanity is and, you know, human origins versus Pulldown Man, which seemed very modern but quite archaic. And then a scandal happened and we found out that Pulldown Man was actually a host. It was it was a fraud. It was a collection of skeletal elements that were glued together <laughs> and it was, it was fake. <laughs> Scammers going to scam, yeah. even in the archaeological world. It is. It's your. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it came out that we have the real stuff. Um, and so that shifted the way that the world looked at Africa. Um, there are some amazing fossils from East Africa as well. Everybody knows about Lucy, Australopithecus hofferensis. Um, and so the focus sort of shifted from Africa's got nothing to offer to actually Africa has a lot to offer and we owe a lot to this continent. You've done a lot of work um, in the cradle and in Static Fontaine. This is your second home. I know there's a lot of places to go and visit, a lot of museums, a lot of places you can go and you said people will take you out and show you the journey. Mm -hmm. um, many of us in Gauteng, you know, will spend most of our lives here and haven't been. Why should we come out and check it out? It's a lovely day out in nature. <laughs> um, the Cradle of Humankind is, is a very pristine area. Um, not a lot of development uh, for good reason because we're trying to preserve the, the landscape as it is. Um, and so I used to be the, the curator of the Marapeng and Stokefontein visitor yes. centers. Um, and so there's this lovely exhibition of um, the treasures that are found in the Cradle. And it sort of explains it in a narrative that's quite easy to understand. Um, I think many of us have been to Stirkfontein as, as school kids. I remember my first trip, mm. barely, um, to Stirkfontein. Um And so it's always a joy to, to see school children coming in and learning about um, their ancient heritage. Um, but it sort of opens your mind to thinking that there's more than just you. Right, you. The, it's complex. Human evolution is complex, mm -hmm. um, but there are ways to to understand it. And by discovering where it is that you came from, you sort of discover yourself in yeah. a way. Um, yeah, so many lessons to learn. I what I love most about the concept of it is it connects us to the world. Mm. It connects us to the planet. It connects us to all other living things. We are we are one. You know, we are part of a thing, man. Mm. 
it's just cool to find out where we all came from. It's such a cool job you have. Like, I don't know many people that I've ever met who at seven said, I want to do this wonderful, magical yeah. thing and then ended up a superstar. Well, I mean, think about it. A lot of kids say that they want to be a paleontologist, right? Yes. They want to do dinosaurs, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I do not do. I, I don't study dinosaurs, <laughs> right? Um, we're not here, f- not here for the lizards. No, we're not. I mean, yeah, they're cool, but come on. <laughs> Indiana Jones, man. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I think we sort of grow out of our interests, um, whether that's through nature or nurture, I'm not quite sure. But we all started off wanting to learn about ancient things. And then we sort of taught out of, out of that. Um, and so I was very fortunate that my parents kept it alive, always giving me the books, always buying me the movies that I needed to feed my fascination. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And we thank you so much for your time and coming to share it with us this oh, thank afternoon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Dr. Kenneliwe, what an impressive person you are. And the fact that you are just so cool as well. Amazing. I'm very glad I ran up to you at that event. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes being a fan stand is a great <laughs> idea. Listen, we'll go and put the entire conversation up on jacarandafm.com. Dr. Mulipiano, thank you for your time this afternoon. Exclusive to Jacaranda FM. It's The Drive with Rob and Roz. Jacaranda FM.